Hi, and welcome to Prevent This, a podcast of your choice, where we cover everything substance abuse related from prevention to treatment to recovery and everything in between. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of a doctor or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding mental health, addiction, or substance abuse. Hi, Ashley and Katie here from Your Choice, and today we have Deanna Marinzik from Gales Institute in our office, and today she's going to talk to us a little bit about parenting. So welcome, Deanna. Thank you. Thanks, Katie and Ashley, for having me today. So yes, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. Um, I started Gales Institute in 2015 um, as a result of my passion of wanting to provide prevention and healing to families. I also um, had a brother who passed um, away from a drug overdose in 2012, as well as a cousin um, that passed away from an overdose. So I'm very passionate about mental health and about addictions and about prevention. So, and um, so I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. So um, we're going to talk about parenting today. And so we're super excited because we have a lot of parent listeners. And so everybody wants to know um, if there's any tips or anything that you can offer, especially when we're in this unprecedented time. So we asked you to kind of come up with some tips for parents navigating these changes that we're all experiencing. So I'll turn it over to you. Great. Yeah. So um Yeah, I feel like there's these five different areas that really we are struggling as a community and society as a result of COVID um, and just the shutdown and where we are. And so, and a lot of these are building blocks to the foundation of resiliency or the catcher like grit. And that is also something that I speak a lot about. So the first one I would say is a tip that I would give to parents right now during this time is this consistent communication. And so I would really encourage that we are continually talking to our kids about how they're, how they're doing. We shouldn't assume that during this time, since everyone's getting back to the classroom, there's more social engagements, that they're okay. There are still lots of changes that they are navigating and also just the transition back from where we were. A lot of unknowns that really um, spike anxiety symptoms. And this is the time now with kids going back to school, parents going back to work, that you might see some really um, important red flags of some concerns. And so really um, talking and spending aside some time to do that. And I feel like honoring that everyone has an individual perception and impact. So as much as like me being a mom and being a parent, my impact is a little bit different. Uh, maybe it's finding childcare because I have to be at or homeschooling and how do I manage work and, and family balance during this, um, missing the social interactions that we have had and how we're working is different. So that's our perception and our impact and how that affects, but how does that affect my husband, my five-year-old, my 13-year-old, my 19-year-old? Those are all very different. And so really honoring that and validating, which really then teaches our kids an important lesson of empathy and walking in each other's shoes and helping support each other. And I think as parents, we always want to try to jump in and fix it. It's not Mm -hmm. about fixing. A lot of times, as we hear from teens, they just want to be heard and they just want to be validated. And and if you can start that dialogue when they're younger, 
Um, I also just feel like this is a great opportunity with communication as role modeling healthy communication. Our kids are spending so much time on social media and so therefore they're getting a lot of different mixed messages and so this is an important opportunity for parents to role model how to express concerns, feelings, thoughts, and needs. So what are some of the red flags to look for that they're struggling? So we are seeing a huge increase in anxiety and especially this anticipatory anxiety. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's think about it. When we were back in the shutdown, how many times did you hear like, this is gonna be over, it's gonna be done soon, you know, it, it'll be, we'll be back to normal by summer. That really isn't the case. And so when we're talking about anxiety, there's three things that I teach people about anxiety. Anxiety is about control, safety, and responsibility. And talk about the trifecta effect when it comes to COVID. A lot of us were really like, what does this mean safety-wise? Right? We didn't have any information. Mm -hmm. and, and control, this is something that we don't have any control of. And that is a huge spike in anxiety, right? And then also just the responsibility, every parent's responsibilities, kids' responsibilities, how do they, you know, their sense of self and identity, all of that's changing because they're not able to play sports, they're not socializing, there's a lot of that developmental things that they're missing. So with anxiety, these things now, as we are still in the unknown, right? I mean, we were all thinking it's gonna end, guess what? We still don't know what that looks like. So therefore, there's a lack of locus of control. So therefore, what happens is we look for other things to get that locus of control, right? If we can't feel that control. So with kids, we're seeing it in different ways. As parents, we also see it. So again, it's individualized. We're seeing a spike in substance relapse and abuse, um, self-harm, um, eating disorder behaviors in young kids, um, a lot of OCD tendencies of germs and not leaving. I mean, you realize there are still many families who have not left their home. Right, yeah. So going and integrating back really raises a lot of like concerns and, red, and, and safety. So we're seeing a lot of that um, unknown, anticipatory, a lot of procrastination, a lot of just struggle with getting back into that groove. So you might see with kids, I'll just say kids, you might see um, a lot of social interaction in a different way not always the best. I know as a parent that like the digital um, part of, of social media and kids on the phones that I know I got a little lax during the lockdown because how are, I wanted them to still socialize, but there's right. a lot of negative things that have come from that as well. Right. Sex trafficking has increased. There's lots of new sites that are just super unhealthy. And so our kids are getting inundated with lots of different negative messages and comparing themselves and it just, it's a lot right now. And so they might be engaging in some unhealthy risk-taking behaviors. Um, I I never would have done this when I was younger, but I hear so many kids like sneaking out and, mm -hmm. and just, I don't know if you've heard that, like sneaking out and just an increase in some of those kind of behaviors that I haven't heard. A lot of self-harm, um, grades, self-care. I mean, just the, the you know, I, I know me as a mom, I'm always like, are you wearing sweatpants and sweatshirt to school again? Yeah. I get it. That might be the style, but it right. seems like it's everything is just kind of lowered the standards. So there's, a, there's some, those are some. I mean, obviously what we're seeing too is that someone who already had some anxiety, this just exacerbates it. So we normalize the abnormal. So many people are functioning always at a level with some anxiety. And mm -hmm. because we're a crisis kind of society of getting help when it's a crisis, 
this has really put people in the crisis because this has really exacerbated some of the symptoms of anxiety and what that looks like, right? Like yeah. OCD and eating disorders and all those things that, the rituals that come with that. Um, but how do you tell too? Because isn't fears a normal part of child childhood? As they like grow and their world gets bigger and they understand that there's things that can happen. So how do you differentiate like between true anxiety and normal childhood fears? Yeah, that's a great question, and I I think the what would differentiate it is when it starts to affect their environment, just like with mental health, right? When do we diagnose someone or get help is when it's starting to infiltrate into other areas. So when your child is um, not doing the things they used to do and not finding joy and avoiding and isolating, hopeless, helpless, negative, and with kids and anxiety, it's irritability, anger outbursts. Um, so there's some of those, uh, those things you can look for because it does really, um, that would be the difference is if all of a sudden, and even as adults, it's affecting your life. Okay. And that can manifest too, like physically, right? Like oh, with yes, stomach yes, aches. Stomach aches. Yes. 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 So, headaches. So, uh, headaches. I've had one. You know, headaches. <laughs> um, stomach aches. Okay. Yeah. So we see a lot of doctors, pediatricians right now refer to Gals Institute. And a lot of them are that parents take them in because they have these psychosomatic symptoms of stomach aches, headaches, nausea, um, aches, pains. And um, they will diagnose like this is anxiety and panic attacks, going to hospital, we're seeing a lot of that, referrals from emergency rooms where people don't realize, because again, remember our threshold kind of goes, goes, goes until it kind of overflows. Right. And so, you know, we're very, adults are very resilient. We have had a history of life and experiences that can help us to this point, right? So we have a template and it's still hard. So imagine kids that don't have a template to this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And then when you have kids that are looking at parents and parents are losing jobs. And I mean, it's it's a very it's it's different time right now and how we communicate with our kids and how we have that open discussion and talking about the fears like, you know, right. this is where I'm at. How are you doing? And I think those are those are things that need to happen more. I think we're so busy, busy. And now we're getting in. You know, I, I would have to say the one thing that was positive about the shutdown for me was it was a time with my family where I made mm -hmm. big dinners, yep. and as much as I probably complained about it at the time of how much money we were spending <laughs> on food, um, I really liked that everyone was at the table. My parents, right. all four of my kids, and although it wasn't always fun, right? We all have our story of like a really bad situation, right? But at, during dinner, but most of it was, we got to spend a lot of time together. Yeah. And we created some family traditions that yeah. we haven't yeah. done before. Us too. Yeah, yeah, you did yeah, 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 we did. Um, for parents who are listening right now, they're like, oh, I haven't even had a conversation with my child. What? How would you start? So there's a lot of good tips and tools on how to work with kids. But again, that's a great question. One of the best advice I read um, is that, and, and it was more of a wake up call for me, is don't ever when you pick up your kids from school, be like, how was your day? I, my kids describe me as Oops. like yeah. My kids describe me as the Goldberg mom, and you know, of course, I went for that as Halloween, where I, I'm like, you know, minus the bedazzled sweatshirt of like, how are you? Do you need a snack? What's going on? How was your day? Did, who did you sit with, Cindy? Who would you sit with at lunch? And that's they're gonna shut down. Yeah. And I think it's picking a timing, a time to do it. If it's in a family discussion of dinner, 
I find that my kids and my son, especially the time that he opens up or I, he, you know, even now at 19 is like I can lay down in his bed before he's about to go to sleep yeah. and just ask questions yeah. and just talk to him. And I'd have to say that that's the same with my daughter as well, is that if it's right when they get home um, or if they're on the phone, right? Yeah. And so there's that that time. And so scheduling time. I mean, here's the other thing, too. Parents, I want to enable them to be in control. Like, you pick those times and those opportunities. So if you haven't talked to your kids, I think this is the time. Like, hey, things are getting back to somewhat of normal. Here's what our expectations are. This is what we're, our thoughts are. There's also a lot of mixed messages with mm-hmm. kids. That's the other thing, too. Like, they're seen, and that raises a lot of anxiety. And then also a lot of lack of trust in what our parents say, because they're seeing on social media that their friends are out and about. Right. And maybe your family is a little bit more concerned because you have health concerns, which is totally appropriate. And so, again, this pandemic has created this us and they. And I think we mm-hmm. need to be like a we and respect that everyone's in a different place. And you know what? Sorry, kids. This is our family and our values and what we're doing for this because of a b and c so we're not going to do what that family's doing with being out and about everyone has different circumstances again it's the communication with outside in the community there's a lot of like lack of empathy and anger right now and i think that would really help and it starts in the home yeah because i can see kids like you know not saying anything if they're struggling because they see their parents struggling you know like they don't want to rock the boat so to say so um, finding that time, I think, is really important. Yeah, and that's where parents can reassure their kids is, you know what, this is new for all of us, but it goes into the second one, which is role modeling, right? Yeah. I was sharing with you guys, like, just role modeling that it's okay to have feelings and that disappointment mm-hmm. and hurt is part of life. Right. Right? And so I might be disappointed or they might be sad or they might be mad to show that in a healthy way rather than example that we use when we speak, right, is having a stressful day, super upset, I pull out the wine bottle and I pour myself a, a glass of wine as I say, I've had the worst day of my life. Right. That message, what am I teaching my 16-year-old, right? Right. So really watching that. I'm not shaming people for doing that. I've, you know, I'm, I've been there. I get it. It's hard and we're always, ha- you know, we're not thinking. But those are the things we should be mindful of right. is as we're role modeling to our kids, especially now, what is it that we're saying and how we're managing our emotions, feelings, and how we're working through problems. So maybe it's not pouring the glass of wine. It's like, I've had a really bad day. I just need some self-care time. I just need 30 minutes to go and do A, B, and C. I'm going to go for a walk, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm all yours. Yeah. And that teaches not just um, the role modeling healthy emotions, but li- setting limits and boundaries, right. which our kids need to, to learn, which again goes into the resiliency, right? A good person, a good characteristic is someone who is able to respect change, the differences of people right? and be flexible with change, yeah. right? Um, also, I think another area is um, having reasonable expectations for your kids and knowing that maybe this is because this is a hard time um, our work isn't always up to par, right? We're taking mental health days. It's hard. I know for me, I used to go, go, go. One of the things I also realized in the pandemic is I can slow down a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, you know, I've read some books on how I can like, how do you get that balance? Because again, we go, 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 go. We normalize the abnormal. And now when you have this break, you realize this is a great time to role model and to look at changes in how your family operates and how you work through issues. Um, 
And I think role modeling, a number one thing that I see in the clinic that really is the struggle is, like I said, back to that, um, what we put on social media. I think parents need to do a really vigilant job of how they engage in social media and how they communicate and how they use that as an outlet. Um, I think that when our kids are seeing us state an opinion on social media and everyone's welcome to their opinion, it's how you do that in an appropriate, healthy way. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that's, that's where we're growing in cyberbullying and a lot of the concerns that we're seeing that are coming and that are resulting in substance use, cutting, eating disorders, high-risk behaviors. So again, it starts with role modeling what's acceptable and not, and that open communication for your kids to feel comfortable to say, this is happening to me. Right. Right. Yeah. So that they don't think, well, my mom is so upset right now or stressed out and, you know, I don't want to bug her. Right. So it all ties together with that. Yeah. So it's okay to say to them, mommy's stressed out right now. Yeah. I just need a minute, but I want to hear what you have to say. And we're going to come back and circle about that and Mm -hmm. then validating them. Like, thank you for coming and telling me Mm -hmm. about that with what's going on with you. Let's talk about how we handle that moving forward. Yeah. And I like what you said about like the social media too, because there's so much on that, Mm -hmm. you know, people just being so awful to each other, you know, moms, just if people don't agree with your opinion, I mean, that's what our kids are seeing and that's what they're going to grow up doing. And we don't really, you know, that's not healthy for them either. Right. I think as a community, if there's something we could change, I think it should be like a no negative pact of no talking bad about anyone. It's like, yeah, everyone honor everyone's opinion. And um, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not fun to look at social media either as an observer. It can be very depressing. So yeah. imagine yeah. what our kids are seeing. Yeah. Because they're just, I, I see it. They're just as negative. And, and that's the other thing. I think it's important. My third area is those healthy connections that you, and making sure that you're being a part of that with your kids, right? So the who, what, and how you know, can start the foundation of like that strong sense of self. So you as a parent, knowing who they're communicating with, who are their role models, who do they look up to? And that that's important and having those discussions and what are they doing when they're with their friends and where are they? And a lot of that can also be found when you just do a check on your phone. And right. that, I think that that's avoidance and avoidance is not bliss, right? Ends up being a big issue. But those are learning opportunities for kids. Like we've given them these phones and this freedom, but I, very few parents have gone through and saying, listen, these are learning opportunities. You're going to make mistakes. And to help you through that, I'm going to check your phone once in a while right. to see what you're doing and right. see who you're communicating with and check your Instagram followers and make sure they're <laughs> actually people that you know and not switched right. into some sort of weird you know, stuff that's going on. Um, I think it's important. And then those connections with mentors, who are you putting in front of your kids? Do they lift them up like coaches? And, and if you have a faith, like those people, other parents, like working together as a community, like, you know, we grew up with, of making sure that those are positive influences. Um, Those are really important. And then the next one would be like just really being engaged in the community because of the circumstances. Getting back social is really, I know, hard. and I know there's very limited, but I think um, we need to work on how can we com- be in a community. So I see a lot of situations with kids where if they were connected to some sort of not just one, right, because if it's just one thing, if you can't do it, what else do you have? So I right. kind of do these 
kind of this basket bubble. If you imagine bubbles up above your head, I do with kids. And I'm like, this is your friends. These are your parents, your mentors, your grandparents, extended family, your hobbies, your, you know, grades. It's all separate categories so that they can, if something's not working in one area, look at all the other bubbles or baskets that you have. Today, kids and with anxiety, it's all one. And yeah. so if this isn't going well, everything is bad. Mm-hmm. And I like to help separate that out and adding some of those other things like community. Like you're not just a soccer player or a football player. What if you can't do that? What makes you you? And I feel like a way to do that is getting kids involved in the community, volunteering, right? Having this experience of walking in other people's shoes and as a family right. is powerful. Or if you're faith-based, really getting involved. And I know it's hard now with that, but there are other opportunities. I know that all of us have kind of gone inwards, but if you're going to start a new pattern of going outwards, these are the areas I would start getting involved in. Um, and look at all the resources we have. Our parents, right, Ashley didn't, you know, didn't have these as many resources Right. Um, no. When my brother was not doing well or, you know, and, and then also parents didn't talk about it. Yeah. And I think we need to foster a community of more openness about the mental health and about um, the stigma and about that all of us have our stuff. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the a barrier to getting your kids help is because the first negative cognition a parent has if their kid has a problem is, I did something wrong, you're saying I'm a bad parent. Right. And that's not no. what we say you know, at, at Gals Institute, and I know lots of my colleagues in the field, that is our stuff that we need to work through. No one is perfect. And if we're putting that standard on ourselves, then we're doing it to our kids. Right. And and that, that we need to change that viewpoint. Yeah. I want to comment for a second on your community tip, because I'm reading this book. I can't remember his first name, but Gatto, and it's called Dumbing Us Down. And he talks about like how school is can be so detrimental for kids because they spend the day with kids their own age. And he talks about the benefit of kids spending time with adults, with learning from other adults and other members of the community. And one of the things that he used to recommend for his students and their parents was that they go do community service and that they get involved because it opens up the kids' world and they can learn from so much rather than sitting in class all day with kids their same age and being on social media then all night. Right. Yeah. And so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, we do with our families um, a mission statement. Like if you have, they have family inconsistencies and lack of follow through. So like with parenting, my biggest thing, like Gals Institute, we're like a family systems approach. So structure, consistency, and follow through and we help the families help their family, right? Every family is different. So we do do these family plans. If a family is struggling with the follow through and parenting, which makes life so much easier. And the number one thing we do is we have them create like a three sentence, four sentence family mission statement. Like when your kids go away someday, I mean, I'm not saying like the 18, 19, we're like, I'm out of here. I don't want to see you again, right? <laughs> but later on when they come back and they realize you're super cool um, and that you did the best, what is it that you want them to say? about your family, right? And that mission statement can be faith-based or it can just be whatever your family believes in. Maybe it would be like, um, our family is going to respect ourselves and others and be a, um, you know, an effective community member that is in change. You know, we're going to love one another and have empathy and forgive each other and our differences, right? Right. Something like that. So that when your, your kids leave, 
they're like, my family like was so great and loving and forgiving. They opened the doors to all my friends. They mm-hmm. did this. They got me really involved in this area that I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, you know, also in the community helps these kids with finding what their interests are, right? Just like dating is not supposed to be like dating someone. They're, you know, I tell my daughters like all four years of high. It's like supposed to, you're learning about yourself. You're learning about the other person. You learn about what you like. This is the same thing with getting involved in the community. Right. Um, I think it's really important. I'd say like the fifth most important thing, which really should be number one, is self-care. Yeah. Um, and because my little statement that I say is nothing um, changes unless we change. Yeah. So if you're wanting your kids to make changes, but you're not changing, that's not going to work. And it's almost like the airplane theory of like you need to put your get your mask on before you put on your kids. This is one of those situations. And I've seen that for myself, and I'm sure a lot of moms and dads can see that is that we're just in survival mode, and especially in the beginning of the unknown of this. But maybe right. some of us are still in their survival mode. I know that. I have empathy for those people that are still in that situation. Right. And so we need to make sure our self-care, and actually save you thousands of dollars on therapy, um, <laughs> is, or if you're on our wait list or on another wait list, is the, if, you in, if you integrate these into your schedule and your kid's schedule, that's the first thing that usually we do. One, we assess what's your, what's your digital like, footprint, like how long are you on devices. There's no reason for kids to be on a device throughout the night right that also shows that it activates the brain and it depletes the serotonin level so there's no reason for that you're in charge phone out or across the room turned off if they use it for an alarm really same for us now some Mm -hmm. of us have to have our phones accessible but you don't have to have it i know my sleep is disturbed with that because it's like pablo's dog every time a notification your brain is activated who was that yeah right Mm -hmm. i know that happens to me and so that affects your sleep and sleep is number one so you really need to look at what that looks like. Your kids are developing physically, hormonally, emotionally. Sleep is key. And that is really what we see a lot. Kids aren't sleeping. They're on their devices. They're watching Netflix. And I understand because we are going from a situation where we were shut down and you had nothing to do. But now it's like, let's get out and get a walk. Let's go right. do this, right? So really working as a family, but first with yourself. Because, again, you can only hold the mirror up if you're actually, like, doing what you're supposed to be doing, right? Right. Of having a nighttime routine, you know. That might be taking a shower, um, having a family conversation, reading a book or listening to music, and going to bed. And mm-hmm. shutting down at a certain time for all of us. Um, the other thing would be healthy nutrition. I'm an eating disorder specialist, so I'm not just saying, like, eat only healthy. I'm saying finding a balance. Right. What does that look like? I'm not a breakfast eater. I get it. But other times, are you picking? And kids need that for their brains, especially if they're on medication. Mm-hmm. It's like the the gas to the machine to get it going, right? So something. And then exercise. It's beautiful out. I know kids can't do a lot of sports, but what else are they doing? Why are we walking the dog or picking the yard up a poop, right? Right. Get your kids out there. <laughs> like, this is the time for them to go and go for a walk and um, start doing something outside. Um, and then just really respecting our own boundaries and limits of being able to say, like, hey, I need a, I need a break from this. Mm-hmm. And so if you can do that and then teach your kids some of those things, you're already ahead because that's the template of being able to make change, right? Just like if you don't have enough good nutrition, your brain's not functioning, you're not cognitively able to do the work. Mm -hmm. It's the same in all the other areas too, right? If you're not working and functioning in all those, you know, spiritual, emotional, physical, you're not going to be able to make the changes. Right. 
Yeah, self-care is so... I think that was the one thing that I learned the most in the pandemic because before that, I mean, we were everywhere oh, yeah. every day of just running around, which we loved, but there was no time for us. So yeah. I'm trying. But I also explain it to my kids. So I'm well, not like, I'm leaving. You know, I'm like, nope, mommy's going to do this for herself. And then, yeah. So, so that's, that's really great self-reflection and self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would encourage all parents is just to sit and maybe think today or, or journal or write like moving into this next month where am i with and how is everyone functioning and where can we as a family make some changes to be able to help through those different areas of that yeah 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 yep wonderful any other questions i think i have one more question quick yeah with all of these parenting tips so you have five communication role modeling um connections Healthy connections, community, Mm -hmm. and self-care. What about, um, and just briefly talk about, what if you're divorced? And you have two separate household situations, because we're seeing a lot of that, and kids are very confused. Okay. Yeah, there's where that mixed message is. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Good question. My kids have that, so I understand. And not everyone gets along with their their ex-significant others like me, so I can understand that. Um, I, yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, it Co-parenting is key. And so I would ask each parent to really look and self-reflect about their behaviors and what they're doing mm-hmm. and how that affects their kids. Yeah. And that if they could remove their stuff mm-hmm. and that ego-based of like them needing to be in control again or to, to be in charge in the situation, um, what is in the best interest of your kid yeah and so if that means like that one is in one extreme of a belief system and one is on the other i get it you're not married because of that reason right but it's so important in these times that you come together a little bit mm-hmm. okay this is not going to be like this is the way it is here and this that is very confusing and with everything going on with kids today yeah um you're just adding another log to their fire and so parents think of what's in the best interest of your kids Mm-hmm. And if you always guide yourself that way, that's going to be the most important. And, you know, I see that, too. It's um, parental alienation, um, negative talk about significant others or the other person, um, and not working together. I mean, really, the people that your kids have in, in their lives, everyone should be working together in, in that community of saying we're here together. And yeah. we're going to support you and we're going to get through this. And so if you you really need to look at that, that'd be the forefront. And if you can't do that, you know, talk to, um, get your child someone to talk to, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because that's important for them to have that, to make sense of that. Right. Um, and have that sounding board for them to be able to just express their feelings, thoughts, and needs and have that person help as a, as a um, mentor and maybe a motivator for parents if they educate a little bit on what's the impact of their child. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, I know you have a lot of great resources on your website, too. Can you mention your website address? Yeah, yeah. so um, Gals Institute, so we are growing. We are in um, eight school districts, which that means is that we will do in-school therapy services dependent on what school, where they're doing, so that's hit or miss. Uh, we have Saturday appointments now. We are expanding our team um, greatly. 
And um, so you can see all of that on our website, um, galsinstitute.com. You know, so we're on Facebook. Also for parents, if they're really, if they're interested in wanting more about some of the red flags about mental health and what to look for, if this is an area that interests you or you work with kids, um, we do have a, a youth mental health first aid workshop that's coming up in a week or so that's um, being facilitated by one of our providers, Elisa Darren, and she is actually a facilitator and um, a trainer from the mental health first aid. And so you will get like all the tips, tools, and learn about all the red flags. So that is a virtual workshop. She gives you all the information that you need, um, and it's on a Saturday. So if you want more information, you can look on the website for that as well as on our Facebook page. And I'll put those in the show notes as well so people can access those right Right. from our podcast notes. Yeah, the other thing, too, I was just going to say, our foundation, Gales on the Go Project, has a workshop box called Calm, Cool, Capable. It's free for families. And so if you have a a child in the fourth through the seventh grade, you can go online and register for a box. There's a small, like, fee for shipping if you're not in the area. But that box is not just for kids to help them with anxiety symptoms and and really helping them with good coping skills and resiliency skills. It also has a workbook with tips and tools for parents. And that's also a great way of activities that you can do with your kids, too. So that might be something, too. And that's on our website as well. Great. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Uh, Deanna. So insightful, especially Katie and I have younger children. So thank you. Definitely helpful for us. I know going forward uh, for more information about prevention, you can check out our website as well, yourchoiceprevention.org.